is Bloomberg Surveillance. We don't know where the next recession is. All we know is that this expansion is about six and a half years old, and that's longer than the average expansion. We're getting signals which are distorted because interest rates are too low. It would be a terrible commentary and a terrible thing in reality if it takes an overt crisis to get agreement or get progress. And then you're risking things going crazy. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. Good morning, Bloomberg 1200 Boston, 99.1 FM Washington, Bloomberg 1130 in summer-like New York City. We're not there yet. Wednesday will be summer-like in New York City. And good early morning, Bloomberg 960, the Bay Area, and all of you on Sirius and XM Channel 119 across this nation and Canada as well. The Forex Brief this morning brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex trading platform, visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex, IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. Uh, the report is a churn, yen 113.57. Euro 109.57, hydrocarbon currencies uh, early this morning doing better. Looney 133.58 right now, an improvement in the last couple days. Uh, U.S. futures negative 8, Dow futures negative 52. David Wilson uh, with us with any number of ways ago. Is there any substance to the DuPont? I saw like social media. Somebody's got an interest in... BASF or something wants to do exactly. I mean, is this true? We reported it, so you know that the Dupont may receive a counteroffer from Germany's BASF. It's people with knowledge of the matter saying the German company is working with advisors and financing banks on the merits of going yeah. after Dupont, which plans to merge with Dow Chemical. But it's like we're twenty four seven news organization. I mean, it's incredible how this news comes out when I'm you know worried about you know weekend stuff. There it is. Absolutely. What do you got? DuPont shares are higher by 2% in early trading in the wake of our report. And uh, you've got another uh, potential deal stock out there, Marvell Technology. The chipmaker shares up 4%. Marvell's open to the possibility of selling itself, according to the New York Post. The report cited people familiar with the matter. The activist investor Starboard Value disclosed a 6.7% stake in Marvell last month, so perhaps some motivation there. Barrick Gold and Newmont Mining both up about 1.5%. Gold mining stocks higher after the precious metal moved into a bull market. Gold's up more than 20% from a December low in New York trading. And Cliffs Natural Resources up 15%. Shares of the iron ore producer rose after the price of Chinese ore jumped 19%. That surge was the biggest since at least 2009 and was tied to speculation that China's government will move to bolster economic growth. But talking about China, the Chinese city of Macau, not looking so good in terms of their gaming business. Uh, they came out and, uh, well, actually Sanford Bernstein saying that Macau gaming revenue was disappointing for the first six days of March. So companies that own casinos there, lower in early trading. Las Vegas Sands down 3%, MGM Resorts down 1.5%, Wind Resorts down 2.5%, and Melco Crown down 3% in early U.S. trading. So now let's call some note. Micron Technology down 4%. The largest U.S. maker of memory chips was cut the equivalent of sell from Hold It Nomura. 
Stratus is down 4%. The maker of three-dimensional printers was lower to the equivalent of sell from neutral at J.P. Morgan. And Noble Corp down 3%. The offshore driller was reduced the equivalent of hold from buy at Stevens. Speaking of offshore drilling, you've got C-Drill, the most active stock in early trading, down 13%. Now, C-Drill shares are lower after more than tripling last week in response to speculation that the company might get a lifeline from its biggest shareholder, Norwegian billionaire John Fredrickson. And one more for you. Pier 1 imports up 6.5%. The home furnishing retailer's preliminary earnings for the fiscal fourth quarter beat analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Pier 1 sales at stores open more than a year fell less than the company expected. David Wilson, thank you so much. Um, it's always good to talk to Arthur Levitt. I, I think, Mike, we, we have to start with a 30 seconds from Arthur on. Um, Arthur, he's medicated this morning as Peyton <laughs> retires. We have an IV in the studio here to calm Mike down. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. But we've still got Eli. We do. We do. And hopefully they will do better this year. Arthur, um, I, I've been thinking about this after the last 10 or 15 days. Whatever anybody's political views are across this nation, there's something about a collapse of discourse. You have served the public, whatever, again, anybody's politics, and the nuts and bolts of government. How would you presume any of these candidates can actually govern and delegate authority to governmental agencies like your SEC. Is that even feasible, or is it so anti-government we would face some form of crisis, whoever's nominated or whoever wins? You know, the interesting thing about that, Tom, is that the president has a relatively minor impact in terms of agency structure because that's been almost totally delegated to the Congress it's a trade-off deal. If Senator so-and-so sitting on the banking committee has a former aide that he wants to serve on the SEC, that's who gets the job. The president is really limited to the choice of a chairperson. And if he chooses and is particularly lucky, that can have a greater impact on a regulatory body than almost any other choice he makes because other choices are congressional choices and they're offset by uh, party politics and you've got agencies that are almost totally locked in terms of philosophic arguments rather than the merits of the case or rather than charting a reasonable course in terms of the public interest. Well, you came from uh, the market side. We've had other SEC chairs who come from the government side. Is there one model that's better than the other? It's a question of trying to pick individuals who really aren't so locked into a particular philosophy that they're unable to reach consensus. And we've moved further and further both to the right and the left in terms of choice, and that's largely a function of abdicating those choices to congressional participants. These are people who have fought in the trenches for the ideology of the head of their particular uh, party, and that fight is going to carry itself into the agency as well. I think the president 
and the Congress should try to choose agency participants and members who really have broader scope than merely the legislative scope. That plays out well enough in the Congress. Let's not carry it to the agencies as well, where today we have little congressional fights going on because we don't have people in the agencies who have skills outside of political skills. I look, Arthur, at the banks. You wrote a bit of a note on where we are in the too-big-to-fail analysis. The Fed looking at the political pressures they're faced. Of course, the backdrop here is Neil Kerry's review at the Minneapolis Fed. How, how political is our Fed right now? I think it's realistic rather than being just political. Uh, on Friday, the Fed voted to limit the exposures between systemically risky banks, uh, where the revised plan features now three tiers of regulation. Yeah. And the highest tier, uh, $500 billion and above, has the harshest standards. And this clearly shows that the Fed recognizes political pressures to tailor its rules for smaller bank holding companies, which it Doesn't that make sense? I mean, to me, it's common sense. Am I wrong? I think it does make sense. I think that the Fed is also determined to shrink any systemic footprint left from the biggest banks. The biggest banks are getting hit and getting hit hard by the Fed, while the political pressure of the smaller banks is playing out in terms of the bank of the Fed realizing that and easing up mm. on that pressure. Arthur, thank you so much. Arthur Lovett with us, the former chairman of the SEC, uh, Bloomberg LP board member uh, as well. Uh, Michael, look, you know, it's, it's, it's just, folks, it's right on script as a Monday after Jobs Day. But, Mike, you know, we get near a $40 level on Brent. I don't know. I'm gonna, I bring it up on the Bloomberg right now. Thirty-nine oh five. Intraday, did we did we get there? I don't think no, we did. Did we? we? No. 30, we got to 39.50, as well. But nevertheless, a lift, $2.50 lift in Brent crude over the last three, four, five days. And you see that correlated uh, throughout the system. I know dollar does not move. It's really not weaker. It's not stronger. DXY 97.64 uh, churning as it has futures. <clears throat> They've deteriorated a little. I don't want to make too much of it. Negative 9. Dow futures at negative 55. And the 10-year yield uh, pretty solid here, 1.90%, trying to get to a 2% yield. Gold, negative 2, 12.68 per ounce. Time now to check on world and national headlines, and here's Michael Barr. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. U.S. and world political leaders are reacting to the death of former First Lady Nancy Reagan. Former President George W. Bush says Mrs. Reagan was fiercely loyal to her beloved husband. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu describes Nancy Reagan as a noble woman. Mrs. Reagan died yesterday of congestive heart failure at age 94. European Union leaders will be pressing Turkey to stop more migrants from entering Europe when they hold a summit in Brussels. As leaders get ready to meet, thousands of migrants and refugees continue to wait by Greece's border with Macedonia. North Korea has threatened nuclear strikes on the U.S. Today's response is over the start of U.S.-South Korean military drills. 
Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. Don't forget, with all due respect, political coverage, uh, Michigan tomorrow and then on to Florida as well. A lot going on there. Halperin and Heilman, with all due respect, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Drivers, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. This month, your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers welcome spring with limited-time offers on select models like the sporty CLA and versatile GLA. Each engineer and price to move, visit MBUSA.com today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are signaling equities will fall from a two-month high as investors assess China's growth prospects. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 8.5 points, Dow E-mini futures down 52, and NASDAQ E-mini futures down 19. DAX in Germany is down 1%. The CAC in Paris and FT100 both down more than 1% as well. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds, the yield 1.89%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.2% or 44 cents to 36.35 a barrel. COMEX gold is little change, down 20 cents to 12.70.50 an ounce. The euro, a dollar 0.954, the yen 113.55. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Carabasco, thank you very much. Well, Tom has been noting all morning that oil prices have gone up. We're at uh, 39.15 for Brent crude. A little over a month ago, we were at $29. Are we watching the bottom be built for oil prices? Where do we go next from here? Bob Yager is commodity strategist at Mizuho. He joins us now. Bob, uh, that's the question on everybody's mind. It seems to be the predicate for most trading in commodities these days, wither oil. Yes, uh, thank you for having me, guys. Bob Yager. Um, we put a really nice rally together here. Three weeks uh, in a row, we put together positive uh, prices. The um, market was up 9.6% last week. Uh, we bounced from a 26.05 low three weeks ago, and uh, the majority of this, this rally first caught fire on the news of OPEC trying to put together a market cap agreement. Uh, the headlines as they come across the tape, they tend to support the market. And the latest talk is that the next production meeting will be in Russia on March 20th. So between now and March 20th, I would tend to believe you will hear chatter from the OPEC slash Russia front um, supporting that March 20th meeting, and uh, it would be hard to drill this market back to where it came from in the $26 area. My opinion. Why is that? Why is that? You're going to have uh, the OPEC folks, the, product, uh, the Russians, uh, threatening to cap production. They're going to put that story out as if it's a, a pseudo-agreement. It would be the first time you have a, a, a pseudo-agreement from the Saudis in quite some time. That's the key. The key is partic- uh, participation by Saudi Arabia. And if they are on board, it implies that they may be open to the idea of compromising on production. <clears throat> compromising on production by the Saudis is, uh, is, could be the, the, um, the way to pull back global 
supply, which is at currently about 1.75 barrels a day oversupplied. That's a big number. Um, you cannot really put together a strong rally until you start to squeeze some of that 1.75 barrel per day of excess off the market. Of course, there's other issues that have uh, been part of this uh, rally also. One has been the domestic production number here in the United States. While the Saudis and the OPEC and the Russians have been talking about pulling back on uh, production, or at least capping production, production here in the United States is off half a million barrels from its all-time high last year. So we have seen over half a million barrels in the, in the United States taken off the market. Um, another issue that has been supporting the market is uh, gasoline demand has been pretty strong the last two, three uh, EIA reports. And if you have uh, strong gasoline demand, that implies that to mm -hmm. make more gasoline, eventually you're going to have to burn more crude oil to make it. You're calling it a pseudo-agreement, though. <laughs> yes, I haven't seen anybody sign on the dotted line yet. There's a lot of talk, and uh, but I haven't seen anything that is, uh, you know, basically black and white. I haven't seen anything put the paper yet. So there's a lot of talk. But the key is the fact that the Saudis are part of the discussion. And uh, though the whole um, story was probably started by the Venezuelans, they did manage to loop in the Saudis. And, uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, these guys have uh, they've been talking a good talk. They strategically seem to place headlines when mm -hmm. the market needs them the most. But there's nothing in black and white yet. This market is up 30, over 30 percent, uh, and there's no black and white agreement for a production, even a production cap. Right. So they've been very successful by doing a minimal amount of work. I would also like to add that the higher the price goes, the less likely they are to have an agreement. Uh, one final question, uh, if, if I could. Do you link the oil lift to the other commodity lift, or is it a discrete move? Well, I think there's something to be said there. One other element that I didn't bring up is uh, is uh, central bank uh, easing, too, which is uh, we have the ECB meeting at the end of the week. As that uh, QE is, generally speaking, commodity-friendly. So there's a lot to be said about that. But in general, if you just take the commodities, isolate them, I'm a strong believer that if you have crude oil performing strongly, then you're going mm -hmm. to have uh, a lot of the other commodities are going to perform okay. strongly also. Robert, thank you so much. Robert Yager with Mizuho on uh, the energy markets uh, as well. Energy with a lift, and Mike, Mike I see it Very as highly good, coordinated, uh, highly coordinated uh, to uh, other commodities with West Texas, 36.38 up 47 cents, and Brent, 39.16 up 40 uh, cents. Let me, Mike, let me get up over on the chart. I don't know the answer to well, it isn't, it isn't just endless days, but really since, uh, I'm going to put it Valentine's Day, since February 11th, we've really migrated from 30 flat up to 39.60. That's a very nice move. Indeed, indeed. Meanwhile, natural gas continues to sink, 166. Yeah, um, and, and again, this goes to my question a bit. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, it's getting I'm, warmer. Yeah, yeah, I, I may have to do a chart up on that. It's, it's like truly going the other way. 166.1, 1. 1.661 on net gas. We get emails from the Midwest and from the Rocky Mountains. Why don't you guys do net gas more? There you go. I think they are correct. Anyways, uh, commodities in different directions. I've noticed copper, <coughs> which in iron Chicago. Ore. Yeah, well, iron ore is a world of its own. I mean, we're going to see some. What was it up? 30, 30, 19%. 19%. 1.9, 19%. Copper, 200 and 205, 207 on the Chicago quote. Uh, 
two twenty six. That's up nineteen dollars, twenty dollars. I should say twenty index points on copper off the Chicago index. Uh, the German two year yield I've yet to mention today. A bit of a two day rebound, negative zero point five five. All that to the ECB meeting, which I believe is on Thursday. Uh, futures at negative seven. We need to get the markets open. You need to stay with us. Bloomberg surveillance. Counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1140, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Hey, good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keene and Michael McKee. The opening bell brought to you by SEI. Imagine when investment operations predictably respond to regulatory change. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business transformation at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks lower at the open. The S&P 500 down half percent or nine points to 1990. Dow Jones Industrial Average down a quarter percent or 40 points to 16,968. The Nasdaq's down six tenths percent or 26 points to 46.90. Ten-year Treasury down seven thirty seconds. The yield one point nine zero percent. The yield on the two-year point eight eight percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.3% or 47 cents to 36.39 a barrel. COMEX gold is down two tenths percent or $2.90 to 12.67.80 an ounce. The euro, $1.0952, the yen 113.53. Tom and Mike. Uh, thanks so much, Karen. Greatly appreciate it. This is a huge deal. I have seen careers destroyed over this where managers want to hold more cash and buy prospectus at a mutual fund or by the dictate of their management, they can't. And the managers get very, very upset. It's a little better than it used to be. They don't 3, 4, 2, 5, 7%, whatever the number. But Lisa Bramowitz with an incredibly important observation, this off an FT article today, this is a huge deal in your bond space where people are under the table, they're getting shell-shocked, and they want to hold cash. Can they? They are, and they have to. I mean, I think that when I talk to high-yield bond fund managers in particular, they're aware of this bifurcation in credit markets right now where you have some fundamental issues with some companies, but there is value there. And then you have sort of the volatility of investor sentiment coming in, coming out, and having these, uh, you know, having to respond to daily redemptions or daily inflows. And they don't want to have to sell what they don't want to sell. And what you nail in your article of a couple days ago, incredible turmoil unseen in recent histories, is it's a responsible institutional long-only buy side versus the players in the market, in and out and speculation and all that. Who's winning the battle? 
I would say the longer-term investors, because to time this market right now so well is impossible. It looks like a casino at days. I'm looking today at Glencore, for example, which has been rising dramatically from $0.60 cents some, uh, on the dollar at the end of January uh, to over $0.90 cents on the dollar. Glencore, a commodities company out of London that people were really worried might not even make their bond payments. This is an investment-grade rated company. Uh, its debt has rallied almost 20 percent since the end of January. And, you know, on what? <laughs> Again, on what? You know, I mean, what has changed so dramatically? Today we see this massive uh, rally in iron ore and people attribute it to China's commitment to sustain growth. But, I mean, is this really any different from what people were expecting earlier? Well, well yeah, that, that raises the question. What people were expecting earlier? Was it accurate, or had markets gone too far? Was Glencore really a sixty-cent credit, or is it you know more realistic where it is now? Well, and I, and I think this sort of brings me back to a conversation that I had uh, with Gershon Distenfeld at, at Alliance Bernstein. He made a, a very astute observation, I thought, which was, you know, leading up to the commodities crash. People, bond investors didn't have a view necessarily on commodities. They weren't saying, we believe in the commodity super cycle. They were just buying whatever was being sold, but they ended up having an overweight in the commodity cycle. And suddenly, you have all these investors who do not have expertise in uh, pricing the commodities markets having to basically take a view and decide whether or not to sell their, you know, energy and metals holdings into a downward spiral or, or you know, whether to hang on through the ride. So this is sort of part of what's, what's behind some of the volatility uh, in these markets. But I would say back to your point, Tom, about sort of the, the longs and the shorts battling each other, a lot of this does come back to the debate about bond market liquidity, that there hasn't really been a referee able to step in and sort of create some sense of stability between the people who are trying to squeeze each other out of their positions. And I think that, you know, the longer-term investor who tries to step back and say, look, we're not interested in that. We are interested yeah. in whether we get our money back at the end of the day Mike, or not. I, Mike, I brought up the Glencore piece out uh, nine years, and basically it's 100 to 59, make it 100 to 60, up to 78. It's three standard deviations, Mike. That's a big move. You, you know, that's a bond. I mean, great, it's Glencore. I get, I get that yeah. it's... A speculation, but those are huge moves. Well, and, and to your point, it's a bond. A bond is a contractual agreement. It is math. This is basically whether you believe you are going to get paid back or not. Glencore, as far as I understand, is still rated investment grade, right? I mean, yes, they're they're about to get uh, downgraded probably or may or whatever. But, I mean, if, if it's just about whether people expect to get paid back, should these bonds really trade as though they're equities? I don't know. I mean, this is this sort of comes back to the sort of broader identity crisis right now among some of the traders who I speak with within the credit markets, which is, you know, how how did we get here? Why is the market so volatile right now? Well, again, I go back to the players involved. Now, our listeners get except for those on Global Wall Street get can get clobbered by this. They can get going both ways. It's institutional players, global emerging markets, et cetera. It's I'm, for the I hate to use a phrase, but I, I am alternative investment investors trying to be opportunistic. What's wrong with that? And the answer is there's no depth in the market. I would argue I've talked to a couple of investment managers who said to me, you know, you think of the hedge funds as being the smart money and the retail investors as being the dumb money. Yeah, well, but it's been the other way around. 
because realistically the retail investors are actually less fickle in some cases than the hedge fund investors, or they have been recently. Uh, and you've seen some pretty negative hedge fund performances, and you've seen a lot of outflows, and you saw a, a pretty big concentrations in some of the, uh, the bonds that have gotten hammered the most. So, you know, when it comes down to who's winning, uh, I, I would say that, you know, the sort of longer-term non-trader types are probably uh, doing better this round. Uh, but, you know, going forward, it, someone's, someone's making a killing. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. somebody's doing really well. Uh, but, uh, you know. Mike, I just put out on, on uh, Bloomberg Radio Plus the logarithmic chart of the Glencore 4 of April 1625. Where else but Bloomberg Surveillance can you get a logarithmic chart of a bond price that quickly? Nowhere else. It's an act. I mean, Michael Barr almost burst into tears when he saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> but you know, I would I would make one other point. You know, I've been watching the correlation between oil and credit markets, particularly junk bonds. It is at the highest level, or about the highest level, since 2009. Mm-hmm. And you know, this also raises another question: Should it really be that way? I mean, at this point, it's about you know, energy-related uh, debt is about 12 percent of the index. Should it really be trading? Uh, in tandem with a $1.4 okay. trillion dollar market. Can we talk about something important? Yes. Did you have to go see Zootopia this weekend? Yes, I did. You t- <laughs> why, why did I know totally that? Totally busted. Why That's did awesome. I know that? Yes, I, I, I And now, it. folks, it's time for a surveillance movie <laughs> review. Lisa Abramos. John Tucker usually does this. He's very, very good at getting the out-front Oscar consideration for movies where you have to buy a lot of popcorn and soda. Go, Zootopia. I, I thought it was fabulous. My, my son enjoyed it, and I found that it's uh, it's very complicated and nuanced message on how to include people and you know how peop- the society's perception of people dictates their their future their their perception Are you of themselves. Kidding? This is what your son said. No, this is what I said. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I enjoyed it for the larger, okay. broader point. Lisa Bramowitz, <laughs> come back after you don't spend seventy dollars at the movie theater on <laughs> popcorn and soda. <laughs> I had a slush. Blast. Oh, come on. Slush. Zootopia doing better than good uh, for the good people at Walt Disney this weekend. The Dow, negative 42. The VIX, 1777. Time now to check out with Michael Barr. Get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Turkey is insisting on new concessions as the price for housing more asylum seekers. The last-minute demands come just before a European Union-Turkey summit in Brussels on the refugee crisis. Preparations are underway for the public to pay their respects to former First Lady Nancy Reagan. Her body is now at a funeral home in Santa Monica, California. After several days, her body will be brought to the Reagan Presidential Library, where Mrs. Reagan will lie in repose. Responses continue to come in remembering Nancy Reagan, Republican presidential candidate Marco Rubio. She uh, told us a lot of stories about President Reagan. One of them really put me on the spot because she said, you know, Ronnie sent flowers to my mother every year on her birthday, on Nancy's birthday, to thank her for having me. And as you can imagine, my wife Jeanette turned to me and looked at me like, (laughs) you're no Ronald Reagan, you know. Nancy Reagan died yesterday at age 94. Remember the Baltimore CVS pharmacy that was destroyed during the riots last April? It has reopened. The April riots were over the death of Freddie Gray, who suffered a spinal injury while in police custody. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists 
in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. Uh, coming up, we're going to do a little bit of politics here. I believe there's a <clears throat> primary tomorrow. Must listen, Greg Villiers on the travails of the grand old party. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by the Town of Hempstead Industrial Development Agency. Find out how to put the Town of Hempstead IDA to work for your business. Call 1-800-593-3870 or visit tohida.org. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by American Arbitration Association. International trade or business dispute resolve faster with the International Center for Dispute Resolution, the leader in alternative dispute resolution around the world, ICDR.org. U.S. stocks are retreating from a two-month high, falling for the first time in five days amid declines in banks and technology shares as investors assess China's growth prospects. Now we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down a tenth of a percent on 22 points at 16,985. The S&P 500 is down three-tenths percent or six points to 1993. And the Nasdaq's down about four-tenths percent or 16 points to 4,700. The 10-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.91 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.89 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 2.1 percent, up 74 cents to 36.68 a barrel. Comex Gold is down two tenths percent or two dollars ten cents to twelve sixty eight sixty an ounce. The euro a dollar oh nine five two. The yen one thirteen point six one. An iron ore soared the most ever after Chinese policymakers signaled their willingness to buttress economic growth, boosting the outlook for steel consumption in the top user and igniting speculation that some investors who'd bet against the market had been caught out. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Right on the screen now. Uh, the VIX rather seventeen point six three up point. Seven seven uh, points. <laughs> the last time we spoke with uh, Mr. Vallier, he was uh, nursing uh, the political uh, zoo that is his New Hampshire. He has now moved on to Michigan and then on to Florida. Greg Vallier uh, joining us right now with Horizon um, Investments. Greg, love your coverage in the on-the-ground feel that you have. How blue-collar is Michigan, and does blue-collar Michigan follow right on to blue-collar Florida? We'll see. I, I think that uh, Trump will have a pretty good night tomorrow night. I think Hillary will have a pretty good night. But you're right. The key issue then becomes Florida, and I would say Ohio as well, uh, a week from tomorrow night. That's the big one. And the negative ads from all sorts of Republicans, yeah. I think, are starting to take a toll on Trump. You think it's working? Um, but mm-hmm. There's a lot of question about whether the negative ads just fire up his base. Well, well, we'll see, but I think a lot of uh, dark clouds are starting to form. Whether it's Trump University or uh, now that now he's changing positions, he's sounding like a politician. Oh my God, he he said I've changed. So I I think there are a lot of uh, seeds of doubt that have been planted. If he loses either Florida or Ohio a week from tomorrow night, I don't think he can get to the convention with enough delegates to win. All right, the convention get process, everybody's pitting their hopes on a uh, broken yep. convention. That's a lot harder to pull off than it sounds. It, it's not like there's a smoke-filled room where people can go in. First of all, there's a uh, a rule, Rule 40, that says you have to have a, won a certain number, minimum number of primaries to get your name into uh, nomination. 
So you can't just pick anybody. You can't say uh, Tom Keene would make a great candidate. Let's nominate him. <laughs> well, you're right, Mike. And I think that that's why I say Paul Ryan can't just become the savior uh, in, in Cleveland. That said, the more I look at this map, I think that you will see Trump go to Cleveland with a plurality. I don't think there's any question about that. But I, no. I think he's going to be short of a majority. Over the weekend, and, and frankly before the weekend, I saw a set of smart articles reviewing his lack of organization. Yes. How important is it? Give us the real Greg Vallier world that you got to have X number of people who actually know what they're talking about to make the electoral sausage. Well, I tell you, Tom, there's two things. Number one, I think his organization is not the best. By the way, Cruz has a very good organization. Number two, I'm not sure how liquid Trump is. How ironic. Here's a guy who's allegedly worth in three, four, five, eight billion. I'm not sure how much liquid money he's been putting into the campaign right now. So you put it all together, and he's a rookie. I, I, I think there are some structural factors yeah. that also would argue against him. Interesting. Um... Does he have a, a donor base that can help fund him if he declines to fund himself to the extent that is probably going to be necessary to counter the spending on these negative ads? I think so, but of course in doing that he'll deflate his own argument that he's self-funded. So the, the, you, he runs into an argument that he's being a hypocrite if he starts taking money. But I think yes, uh, as we go down the road he will have to take some money. Does Marco Rubio get out now? Not until next Tuesday night in Florida. I think he'll definitely stay in through then. He had a bad weekend, as you guys know. Uh, really a mystery. The Washington Post has a big story this morning about his organization not being first rate. But I, I was wrong. I thought he was the most talented, electable Republican in the field, and it looks like we're never going to get to find out. And now we go to what we do best, folks, is ask, uh, make stupid statements during the weekend, which Greg Villiers straightens <laughs> out on Monday morning. Greg, I was asked twice this weekend if they have to file tax forms. Do they, they don't have, they don't have, they have to <clears throat> file financial disclosure documents, but that's not tax forms. Tax forms get deep, deep into the weeds. Uh, I think you can be shamed into it, as Mitt Romney was. You know, I am not sure that Trump will. He seems to get away with a lot, doesn't he? And he may be able to just finesse this for a while. But if he doesn't, it'll be a big theme for Hillary Clinton during the fall. Well, he uh, has declined to release the tax. A lot of people don't think he's going to. Yeah. Uh, there was a really fascinating article in Fortune magazine. Uh, one of their writers, I'm looking for it now, uh, see if I can find it, Bob, took apart his financial disclosure form and mm -hmm. suggested that there are a lot of details in there that tell you he is nowhere near as wealthy as he says he is. And, of course, that's something Bloomberg News has reported as well. Um, how much does that matter to people? Is uh, He keeps making a big deal out of it in the debates. Well, I think the three of us would gladly share, you know, what what he's got. But it does it does matter if he's grossly inflating what he's really worth. If it's if it's just on paper, if it's assets that are tied up in all sorts of complex deals, it does deflate the argument that he's a billionaire and a successful businessman. I watched the speech by Romney. I thought one of the most effective arguments was that this guy Trump has not been that good a businessman. Many of his, most of his ventures have failed. What's the follow-on on this for Governor Romney? I mean, I saw some, you know, back and forth, and it depends on people's politics and that, but if we're trying to do an apolitical show, 
how does the establishment arrange the deck chairs after they've had a few days to uh, digest the, 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 the cinema that we saw this week? I don't think that Romney has any chance of being the nominee. As Mike points out, there's a rule that yeah. seemingly would preclude that. Yeah. You know, he, he may have a, an influence. Now, I, I think it's one of the four. And, and of the four out there, the one who sort of intrigues me the most is Kasich. I think if he hangs in there and goes to the convention with a few hundred delegates, he's someone maybe everyone could sort of you know, agree on. So I, I think I understand his rationale. I think he, like the other three, may stay right how, until July. How does he do that if he hardly has traction? I don't understand why the rules this time are different, Greg Villiers, than the other 14 conventions and campaigns. Yeah, there's rules and then there's momentum. And I think if we go into... April, and all of a sudden someone gets hot. Let's say it's Kasich, maybe Rubio. I think it's Kasich, and they and Kasich wins Pennsylvania. He wins New York. He decisively wins California on June seventh. He wins New Jersey on June seventh. With that kind of momentum, I, I think that would that would mean a lot to delegates who are looking for somebody who can win in the fall. What happens if Trump does maintain his lead? Uh, does uh, be positioned to become the nominee. Uh, we've we've seen some people, including the other candidates, say they would back the nominee. We've some people uh, like Mitt Romney saying no way. Well, you know, first of all, I would say that still is the most likely scenario, that Trump limps into Cleveland, not not with a huge majority, but just enough, and does. That's still the most likely scenario. And if that happens, I think the focus will immediately shift to the Electoral College map. Uh, could he put together a coalition of white, blue-collar men in Michigan, Ohio, upper Midwest, Pennsylvania? Could he put together the votes to do it? it it's an uphill fight, but if Hillary still has has legal problems with her emails. It's it, Trump. You, you can't rule out Trump winning this thing. It's less than fifty percent, uh, but it's not zero. Uh, very quickly on Secretary Clinton. I mean, I, I think she's not getting the chat that the others are getting because it's a whole different calculus. Mm -hmm. it, where is she after Michigan, after Florida, and on? At least a two-to-one lead, maybe more. Yeah. That's not even counting the superdelegates. I mean, she would have to get indicted big time to stumble. I think she quite clearly is the favorite to be yeah. the nominee and the shaky favorite to win the presidency. Greg, a wonderful update. Greg Value, I value it immensely. He is with Horizon and over the years has given us perspective. I swear, Mike, Greg is different because he grew up in New Hampshire where this was so deadly serious when we were kids. It was just, it, for those of you younger, it was so different, the importance of Valier's New Hampshire way back. Yes. Where they, you know, in the cigar-filled rooms. And it was amazing. Al, Al Hunt the other day said there may, there may be non-cigar-filled rooms yeah. out the pipe in the smoke. Uh, a shout-out to Albert R. Hunt uh, with a wonderful Bloomberg View column today on Mrs. Reagan, whatever your politics and the time and the moment passing on and a further shout out to Michael McKee for terrific value in, in giving us a glimpse Michael into year 1986 that was a long time ago um, did Reagan ever throw a shoe at you because you said the wrong thing no he glared at me but he never threw a shoe Michael McKee maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow tomorrow we will do economics finance investment international relations Michael McKee and Tom Keene this is Bloomberg Surveillance